the Giants continued to do what they have done all offseason long, which is to make a solid addition that's not going to really necessarily excite anyone, but it does address an area of need in the bullpen. Luke Jackson has signed a multi-year deal with the San Francisco Giants, and with Taylor Rogers already having signed, the Giants' bullpen is looking like it's in better shape. So we'll get into who is Luke Jackson, what does he bring to the table, and more next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on the show, we provide actually episodes three days a week for now, back to daily when pitchers and catchers report, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. And where we start is talking about this move that the Giants announced today. They have signed right-handed relief pitcher Luke Jackson to a two-year deal that includes a club option for a third year. So Jackson is going to be here at least for 2023 and 2024, and the Giants have the choice on whether to bring him back for the 2025 season. And so this is the second kind of major, I mean, major, major league, I should say, kind of uh, bullpen addition the Giants have made. Also signing Tyler Rogers's twin brother, Taylor, to a three-year deal. And so in Luke Jackson, like just the other day, somebody asked me like on a mailbag question, how can the Giants address their bullpen or like what free agent, if you had to pick one remaining free agent, who would it be? And I was looking at the list of relievers and I talked about Andrew Chafin and I said, I'm not so sure that they need another left-handed reliever. So I would scour the list of available relievers and pick out the best right-handed reliever remaining. And I remember looking at Luke Jackson and I like Luke Jackson a lot, but then realizing that he had Tommy John surgery in April of 2021. And so for that reason, I kind of skipped over his name, but at the same time, the, the way that Tommy John works, he had Tommy John April 13th, 2022. And it takes roughly like 13 months, I think, on average for pitchers to get back to the major leagues after undergoing that surgery. And so in reality, if you're talking about a multi-year deal for this guy, it's not that big of a deal that he's probably, I mean, the Giants didn't, haven't at the time of this recording commented on like when they expect him to be back in the majors, but it's probably not going to be on opening day. But, you know, this is a two year deal with a third year club option. And so when all is said and done, he might end up missing the first month, but then be, you know, hopefully healthy for the for another three years nearly. And so anyway, what are they getting in Luke Jackson? This is a guy who was a big part of that 2021 World Series championship Braves bullpen. He was the setup guy on that team in 2021 for the Braves and throughout the postseason. And he in that year, in 63 and two-thirds innings, he had a 1.98 earned run average for the Atlanta Braves. The peripherals were significantly higher. I'm not going to 
gloss over that fact. But if you look at 2019, 2020, and 2021, there's a lot of up and down for Luke Jackson, including like a 34% strikeout rate in 2019, which is just really high. Over a third of batters faced, he struck them out. And then in 2020, obviously the short season, but still he pitched, you know, he appeared in 19 games through 26 and a third innings, but the strikeout rate was 15%. So cut more than in half the following year. And then in 2021, he kind of landed somewhere in between. Strikeout rate was 27% and walk rate kind of fluctuated in that period, but he did maintain a pretty above average ground ball rate. And so all of that to say, what I'm trying to say here is what I'm looking at is let's just look at his last three seasons pitched and just combine them because for relievers, you're generally talking about small samples. And yes, I'm talking about a whole season's worth of work for a reliever is a small sample. And so I want to just see, okay, let's say we, we, instead of looking at, oh, he was up and then he was down and then he was in between, let's just combine them and see where he lands. And when we combine them and see where he lands, everything looks a little more stable. We've got a 3.60 ERA during that span with a 3.59, almost exactly identical fielding independent pitching. And during that span, a 28% strikeout rate, walk rate a little bit high, 28%, by the way, strikeout rate above average league average around 22%, 23% for strikeout rate so striking out an above average number of hitters on a rate basis the walk rate at 9.6% over those last 3 years over his last 3 seasons pitching is worse than average so worse than average kind of command i suppose and ground ball rate really st- stands out though at 58% League average around 42, 44, somewhere in that range. And he's at 58%. And so the Giants clearly have a kind of type when it comes to pitchers. They really like their ground ball pitchers. And I mean, Logan Webb is one of the best in the game at getting ground balls. Alex Cobb, one of the best in the game at getting ground balls. Alex Wood has been a ground ball guy historically in his career. And in the bullpen, even Camilo Duvall, when he introduced the sinker midway through last season, he became a heavy ground ball guy himself. And so it really, I mean, what the the big benefit of that is you don't end up allowing a lot of home runs. And for, I believe, the second year in a row, the Giants led the major leagues in having the lowest rate of home runs against them, like home runs per nine innings, leading the major leagues. So as a pitching staff, they just do not give up a lot of home runs at all. I mean, they give up fewer than anybody. And I mean, we could just simply look at home runs allowed by their staff, and that would probably be a better way of saying that. But Luke Jackson is just one of those guys. So if we look at the last three years, the home run rate per nine innings is one per nine innings. And, you know, that's pitching in a less pitcher friendly park in Atlanta. And for the Giants, I mean, it's like one of the most pitcher friendly parks. So you combine already being good at preventing homers and then put those guys into an environment where home runs are already hard to come by and you just get like elite ground uh, home run prevention. But part of this is that you ideally want and you could even say need good infield defense when you have a ground ball staff. And that's like a separate issue, but it just reminds me of the fact that aside from DFAing Tommy LaStella, which like I hate to say addition by subtraction, but defensively in the infield, it is kind of addition by subtraction. Uh, they haven't done anything to address their infield defense. They've, you know, with Mitch Hanniger and Michael Conforto, 
you kind of get the addition by subtraction of Jock Peterson getting taken out defensively of the outfield. And I think Hanniger and Conforto can be at least average and maybe a little better than average in the outfield corners. And so their outfield defense, I think, is better than it was and should be fine at this point. Although if there's injuries, that's a separate concern. But in the infield, what have they done? They've done nothing. They've got Estrada at second, kind of penciled in there. Crawford at short. At third, they've lost Evan Longoria, actually. And so they've gotten worse defensively in terms of infield defense. And so for that reason, I believe that they're not done and that they're still going to make a couple of moves there or at least one to address that infield defense. But that's a topic for another day. I just kind of wanted to mention that in the context of adding a ground ball heavy another one. At the end of the day, like it's just a good thing to get ground balls, period. Uh, The shift restrictions, maybe it becomes a little bit less beneficial. But still, like when guys get hits on ground balls, they're not extra base hits. They're singles, generally. And when you get hits on like line drives and balls in the air, those are your extra bases. And so just generally speaking, it is good to get ground balls and it's good to get strikeouts because weird stuff happens when the ball is in play, as we saw last year. Uh, So Jackson is a good combination of that. And the the 3.60 ERA, the 3.59 fielding independent pitching, when we combine Jackson's last three seasons in the majors... That's about 20, 15 to 20% better than average kind of production for Jackson. But again, he missed all of last year in 2022 with Tommy John surgery. But coming up in just a minute, I want to give you a little bit more about Jackson. He's one of these guys whose you know, primary pitch is not a fastball. And so what is his primary pitch? What are the results on that pitch? How often does he throw it? What can we expect from a repertoire perspective from Luke Jackson? We'll get into it. And just a minute. And the Giants made a trade of Junior Marte. So we'll get into that as well in just a minute. But before we do, betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball. We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Uh, all off season, we've been talking about odds for, you know, bet online odds for where free agents are going to land. I feel for you if you've still got a bet out there on Carlos Correa, who's con- who continues to be unsigned, which is just amazing. Like, and there's some talk that the Mets deal may fall apart and that the Twins are back involved. So, hey, the Giants perhaps still involved there. Coming up soon, we'll probably have over-unders on win totals from Bet Online. That's always a fun time of year. And, you know, daily action for all these other sports and when baseball gets going as well. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online is where the game starts. All right, as promised, I want to get into a little bit more specifically about what Luke Jackson brings to the table when he's healthy. Obviously, wasn't healthy last year. And one of the things that I want to mention is that with Tommy John surgery, guys don't typically come back and just immediately become the old version of themselves. There's often like it can take a little bit of time for players to regain specifically command. Like a lot of times they've got the stuff back after rehabbing for 13 months you know it's not always exactly 13 but i don't know it's like 12 to 15 months typically for something like that i'm not obviously you know an expert on arm surgery but that's in the neighborhood of the timeline and 
by the time they come back, they often have their stuff, but they just don't have as good of command as they used to have. And for Jackson, I do have some concerns about that because he already, as I mentioned, has been a guy who's had below average command. And so if you're suddenly like you just have no command whatsoever, that could be a bit of an issue. But in year two, I'm not saying, okay, so therefore it's going to be a lost year for Luke Jackson. Well, let's just wait and see what happens. But I mean, this guy was good. He was really good in his last season in the major leagues. He was good in the play. That Braves bullpen, you may recall, that was like the calling card of that team or one of the calling cards of that team was that they just had a really strong pen and he was a big part of that. And so for the Giants, like essentially, I'll get to the Junior Marte trade in a minute, but kind of swapping out Junior Marte for an established arm like Luke Jackson is a good exchange. I don't think I even mentioned the specifics of the deal from a financial perspective yet. The specifics of the deal are it's an $11.5 million guarantee over two years, but then there's a $7 million club option for 2023. So when I say $11.5 million, that includes the buyout on the third year. So yeah, at least two years, $11.5 million, but maybe three years and what, five more million than that? $16.5 million. So anyway, what are what is the repertoire for Luke Jackson? It's really interesting if you look at kind of historically, like back in 2015, 2016, even 2017, as most pitchers typically were in the past and just kind of grew up being and through their amateur days, primarily a fastball, right? But in the modern game, and the Giants have been at the forefront of this, like think of Jacob Junis throwing the slider, think of Jake McGee. Yes, fastball was McGee's primary pitch, but kind of zeroing in on what is your best pitch and just throw it a lot. And so for Junis, it was the slider. Think of Sergio Romo. This was kind of one of the original guys. It's like Romo had a not very good fastball. It it kind of played because the slider was so good, he could mix it in and surprise people like Miguel Cabrera. But anyway, Jackson, as you know, in 2015, just by way of example, he threw the fastball 67% of the time. Well, in 2021, how often did he throw the fastball? 35% of the time. So basically, he went from two-thirds fastball to one-third fastball. And the slider, he didn't even throw it in 2015. But when he first introduced it in 2016, he threw it 18% of the time. And in his most recent year in the majors, 2021, he threw the slider 53.3% of the time. And he threw the curveball 11% of the time. So basically, it's breaking balls two-thirds of the time, fastball one-third of the time for Luke Jackson. And the results, I mean, if you talk about, okay, what what have hitters done on the slider? What did they do on the slider in 2021? They had a 159 batting average and a 241 slugging. I mean, come on. Those are just really, really good numbers. The weighted on base average of uh, is 218 and weighted on base average is scaled so that league average weighted on base average is league average on base percentage and the league average on base percentage in 2021 was I think like 315 320 somewhere in that range so he's at 218 so just much better than average production when he you know when hitters faced the fastball whiff rate of 35.1%. So swinging and missing over a third of the time when they swung at the pitch. And it has tons of downward movement. Like when I was looking just earlier, yeah, eight per, uh, eight inches more downward movement than comparable 
sliders, like in terms of the velocity of them. He also throws it way harder than most guys. He throws it 88 miles an hour. So 88 miles an hour of a slider, and it has eight more inches than the average slider that kind of looks comes out of the hand similarly. So huge downward movement. So he gets swings and misses and ground balls on that pitch. So just expect a heavy dose of sliders and curveballs from Luke Jackson, who also gets above average downward movement on his four-seamer and his curveball. So a lot of downward movement explains the ground balls. You end up hitting on the top of the ball because it's dropping, and you hit it into the ground. Or you swing and miss. So I'm intrigued by this guy quite a bit, and I like the kind of combination of the swing and miss and the ground ball. And that's obviously the Giants did too. And that's why they gave him this deal. But just to go a little bit further in in terms of what did hitters do against the fastball in 2021? Well, much different results. They had a 270 batting average and a 492 slugging, a 379 weighted on base average. So much better results against the fastball than against the slider. It kind of reminds me of Camilo Duvall. Not that, I mean, I want to say not that the repertoire is similar, but it is actually. I mean, slider and fastball. For Duvall, despite having this high velocity and Jackson, his fastball velocity averaged like 96 miles an hour in 2021. Duvall's, I think, was a little higher or a lot higher, like a few ticks higher. Maybe I'd have to look. But Duvall always had better results on the slider than he had on the four-seam fastball. And that people wondered, why doesn't he throw the fastball more? It's because it didn't have great results. It just... Despite the velocity, it didn't kind of work as a good pitch. It didn't have a lot of kind of shape to it. It was just hittable, even though it was 102 miles an hour sometimes. But the big key for Doval was unleashing this sinker. Suddenly you're throwing velocity that kind of comes in on righties and away from lefties. And it opened up the whole repertoire. And so I kind of wonder, like, is would they try adding two-seam movement for... Luke Jackson and kind of maybe have the same effect as Doval where it it changed the whole repertoire. But anyway, or you might just see him throw like 90% sliders or something. I don't know exactly what the mix would be, but this is part of what goes into the thinking for this new front office and coaching staff, Brian Bannister and Andrew Bailey, JP Martinez, all the pitching guys, like they they figure out how to best utilize these players who have these really good individual pitches. And so that's what Jackson has with his slider. And the curveball was kind of in between from a results perspective. So anyway, that's what Jackson brings to the table. Let's turn our attention to the trade that the Giants made. They they had to clear a 40-man spot to bring Luke Jackson on. And also, like, projecting into their bullpen, it didn't... If you look at it, I mean, we'll, we'll get into what does that bullpen look like at this point in time. And it would be hard to see how Junior Marte would fit. And they've got some other guys on the 40-man who maybe they want to see ahead of Marte. And so the Giants swung a trade with the Philadelphia Phillies involving uh, Junior Marte going to the Phillies and the Giants signing. I'm trying (laughs) trying to scroll through and find the name of the player that the Giants acquired today for Junior Marte. It was Eric Miller, a product out of Stanford. And so we'll get into that trade and the state of the bullpen, kind of the depth chart of the bullpen now with this addition in just a minute. 
But before we do, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. If you're looking for a delicious treat, or excuse me, not Bet Online, Built Bar, of course, you're not getting a treat from Bet Online in terms of actual deliciousness, but from Built Bar, you are. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories, I promise you, you've got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is always to eat healthier this year. And if you're like me and want to eat healthier, you just don't want to compromise taste, then man, I've got thing, just the thing for you. You've got to try Built Bar. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. And this is so hard to do, but they seriously have managed to do it. Amazing flavors. I'm talking like you're eating a candy bar and yet they've got incredible macros. We're talking just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein in a typical bar. And now you don't have to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built at Built.com, but now you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Or if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. All right, as promised, I want to just talk about this trade really briefly. It's it's not a very major trade. Junior Marte was just one of these guys who was up and down for the Giants, meaning, I mean, both kind of, I mean that in two senses. He was some good, some bad with the major league team, but he was also in the majors and down in the minors and in the majors. And obviously he was on the 40 man. And so you can't just, you don't want to have him taking up a 40-man spot but not really project into your bullpen. He is only 27 years old, turns 28 in February, but I don't know. It's not I mean the Giants had bullpen problems and Junior Marte didn't necessarily seem like part of the solution. There was a possibility that he could kind of break through and be part of the part of the solution, but also it's just not a huge loss to trade him here to the Phillies. And so effectively what the Giants did by trading Marte and acquiring, what is his name? Uh, Eric Miller, a lefty pitcher in the Phillies system who's not on the 40-man, is that they clear that 40-man spot, but they get somebody they like in return. So Eric Miller is someone who's dealt with some injuries throughout his career. He was drafted in 2019 out of Stanford in the fourth round. And He's got some intriguing kind of stuff, and and he has been a starter, possibly, though, projecting into the bullpen because he hasn't been able to work himself up as a starting pitcher, but is someone with a good breaking ball himself, has two distinct breaking balls. I think he has a, I think his changeup is considered to be his best pitch, kind of fringe command. I don't know, probably someone who's not going to necessarily make a huge impact down the road, but an interesting arm, a fourth rounder in a recent draft. I guess 2019, yeah, it's pretty recent, right? And uh, yeah, the Giants pick him up in exchange for Marte. And by trading Marte, it's to clear generally a 40-man spot. And so kind of a minor deal there. But how does the Giants bullpen project right now with the additions of Taylor Rogers and Luke Jackson? Well, you've got in the back end, Camilo Duvall, obviously, and Taylor Rogers. Taylor Rogers is, is a good reliever. He didn't have good results in 2022, but... The peripheral numbers have always been strong, and generally speaking, his results have kind of matched up with the peripheral numbers, and so there's no doubt Rodgers is a potential impact 
late inning arm. He's got closing experience, as does Luke Jackson. And so you've got now a couple of veterans. Rodgers was a closer for a while for Minnesota, and he closed in the first part of last year with the Padres before he was traded to the Brewers. I think even when he was traded to the Brewers, he was closing, but he had some blow-up outings and came out of that role. But I like that you've got multiple guys with closing, you know, veteran relievers who have closing experience to take some pressure off of Doval, who pitched a lot last year, and they want to kind of ease off him and not not force him to overwork himself. You got to take care of this guy. He looks like a stud in the bullpen. And so suddenly you've got a stud in Doval. You've got Rogers, who's at times been a total stud himself. You've got Luke Jackson, who's been, you know, like I said, 15, 20% above average at run prevention, averaging the last few years he's pitched. Obviously, the Tommy John is a factor, but hopefully he can just kind of rebound to that form and maybe even get better. The Giants have had some success helping these guys get even better sometimes. And then you add that to John Brebbia and Tyler Rogers and Scott Alexander, who are already kind of established in that pen. I mean, for John Brebbia, he pitched a ton last year, 68 innings, 76 games, had a 3.18 earned run average. And for Tyler Rogers, there was some bumps in the road for sure. But when all is said and done, he had a 3.57 ERA, very healthy. In his career, he's got a 2.94 ERA. And by the way, his ground ball rate is also super high at 58%, speaking of the ground ball guys. And I think Brebbia is an above average no, Brebbia is a below average ground ball guy. Scott Alexander is a high ground ball guy at a career rate of a ridiculous 70%. And for the for the Giants last year in the brief 17 innings, 74% for Scott Alexander. Crazy high ground ball rate. So they're putting together a pitching staff that is just like ground ball machines. And so if they could simply upgrade the infield defense, this could be like for now, but also like moving forward, thinking about Casey Schmidt, who's in reach AAA at the end of last year, and he's a very good defender. And if you kind of profile him to the majors and you've got Crawford, but it's the last year maybe of Crawford's career. Uh, and then the right side is a little in flux. First base is kind of who's, we don't even know for sure who's going to play there. Second base, Estrada up and down by by different metrics some said he was good some said he was not so good I think he should be able to be fine just watching him play but all you need to do like if you have this pitching staff in place just put together a good defensive infield and you could be in business with this with this staff and so I you know you add like I said Doval Rogers and now Luke Jackson to John Brebbia Tyler Rogers and Scott Alexander and suddenly that bullpen is looking like a strength, potentially. And there are some other names to mix in. Like you think about Jacob Junis and even perhaps Anthony DiSclefani don't necessarily have spots in the starting rotation, right? Because their rotation is so deep with Webb, Cobb, Manaya, Stripling, Wood, DiSclefani, and Junis in the mix. And then you add in um, Kyle Harrison, who's probably going to debut. And so you can put some of these starters into the bullpen and then add to the to those kind of core six or so guys I mentioned. And suddenly your your pitching staff as a whole looks to be in pretty good shape. And so there's a lot of depth here suddenly with the bullpen and the staff, especially the staff, the, the guys who don't fit in the staff move to the pen 
And I mean, what else would they do with them? I guess you could say Discofani maybe won't be ready to start the season. But what about Jacob Junis? You know, and then what happens when you add Kyle Harrison? It moves somebody else to the pen. So anyway, I like I said in the very open there. The Giants continue to do what they've done all offseason long, which is they make solid additions and kind of really lengthen out their team. I do think like number one now in terms of what do they need to do is the infield defense. Just add like a Hassan Kim. If you could trade for a Hassan Kim or even like a Joey Wendell as a fallback option, just some some guys who can can help you out defensively in the infield, that would be that would go a long way potentially. But then you know, there are questions like, well, what do you do with all these other guys? Like, are you not going to play David VR? Are you not going to play JD Davis? What about Wade? Uh, so maybe ultimately you trade one of those guys for a good defensive player and give that role to the better defensive players. I don't know. But again, it's only January 9th. So there's still time to work this out. And the Giants have just had a solid offseason. Like the players they've signed have been solid and intriguing. But you know, it's they didn't get their superstar, Carlos Correa, technically unsigned. So until that's official, I'm going to hold out the possibility that perhaps they could end up with him, but seems unlikely. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. More about this later. Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out Lockdown MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot. So thank you in advance and thanks to everyone who's done so already. Can't wait to be with you again at least two more times this week. Uh, We've got more mailbag questions to get to. I also want to talk about the overall offseason the Giants have had and the payroll situation, which is interesting. There's a lot to say there. So we'll get into that later on in the week. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.